This is episode 172 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 172 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today I have on the show Alfonso Salemi. He is the founder or co-founder, actually forget if he is a co-founder of Jag Properties. And uh, that's a rent-to-own company. And Alfonso has been in this business for nearly 10 years now. And uh, rent-to-own is a concept that made a lot of sense to me early on in investing. And uh, we dug into the weeds of that. Again, we really have not talked about this topic since the last time he was on the show more than probably two and a half years ago at this point. So uh, it was good to catch up with Alfonso, talk to him about what he's doing in rent-to-own investing, um, his entrepreneurial spirit, of course, and um, all the things you might want to know about rent-to-own. And then we also got into his personal real estate investing portfolio, um, talked a little bit about how he's been able to grow in Hamilton over the last couple of years, despite the property values, uh, what he's looking for in uh, in an investment and uh, you know what works in his investing strategy so it was very nice to catch up with him and i'm sure you're going to get some value out of this episode so before we get into it i just want to remind you that it's extremely helpful to this podcast and the algorithms out there if you leave us a five-star uh, rating and review on apple podcast or whatever podcast platform you listen on and if you're watching on youtube if you hit the like subscribe and notification bell and if you wouldn't mind leaving a comment these things all just help get this podcast out to more people and help it grow uh, if i've added value to you i'd greatly appreciate it if you could help out in that way and if you are looking for a little bit more help analyzing deals my cash flow analyzer spreadsheet is available on my website at andrew-hines.com and of course, if you're new to real estate investing and some of these concepts are foreign to you, I'd highly recommend you go right back to episode one and work your way through as so many other investors have done. And because there are just so many gold nuggets that have been dropped, I assure you that you'll find it extremely helpful. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into episode 172 and with Alfonso Salemi. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have on the podcast for the second time, Alfonso Salemi. It's been a while. Alfonso, thanks for coming on. Yeah, pleasure. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks for having me, Andrew. Man. Great to be back on here again. It's uh, it's a pleasure. Yeah, what two years, two and a half years, something like that. Well, at least yeah, COVID's been at least two. So last time we were doing this, we were uh, we were in person. So I'm saying at least two years, if not three, now for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, the podcast's been running for yeah three and a, is it three and a half now, or is it like three and a quarter? That's wild to me. But yeah. uh, <laughs> anyways, so uh, yeah, I'm sure things have changed. I know that uh, you're a new father, as am I. So congratulations on that. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, that's probably the biggest change. Yeah, congratulations to you too. I know. Uh, yeah, both our little guys. I thought I had, uh, I thought I had no spare time before. So uh, <laughs> now it's even less. So it's, it's been it's been yeah. fun. It's been a wild ride, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's a great uh, definitely from being from a new parent standpoint and trying to yeah. organize and keep everything in order. <laughs> I have a whole new respect for for mothers and fathers, especially ones who have done it like three times. I'm like, I don't understand how how you've done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> nothing it's I've true. done is hard by comparison. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you know, you're you're known to be the the rent own guy. I'd say that's a, uh, you'd probably agree with, uh, with that, of course, the right club and you've got your podcast there as well. Um, but, uh, you know, tell me also, tell me what else is going on in your world. And, and of course, a recap for those who haven't seen the previous episode. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, you know, first and foremost, yeah, with Jake properties and, you know, the rent to home program. Uh, yeah, we've been continually growing that, that, that business. Uh, obviously the personal portfolio has been growing a little bit as well too, with some other buy holds and some longer term rentals. 
Um, and yeah, obviously the right club and, and recording the podcast, that's been lots of fun. And yeah, like, as we just mentioned, becoming, becoming a new father, uh, that that's taking priority definitely over, uh, over, over most things, obviously the business is continuing to grow. We're helping more and more people get into home ownership and, and, you know, we built a pretty big team now as well too. We have eight full-time staff. Uh, that are helping, uh, you know, helping more clients and getting them through the rental program uh, and really systematizing this and continuing to grow so that we can help more people. Yeah, let's, well, let's recap the concept of, of rent to owning because this is something that I was, you know, initially very keen on. I read Mark Loeffler's book way back in the day. And that was uh, one of the first real estate books I think I ever read. And it was just like, okay, this is the way to go, you know don't deal with broken toilets. You just, you know, let's yeah. just get rent to own tenants and they'll take care of their own broken toilets. So uh, that was kind of my intro to it. And the idea is of course, that uh, an investor would, would buy a house with a tenant that had a goal of owning that house. So it's like the tenant picks the house. They say, I want that one. And you and the, you as the investor buy it and then rent it to them with a portion of their rent being a deposit going towards their eventual purchase on it. Um, I know obviously that's overly simplified. Why would somebody want to do that? My take is uh, because you're making more cash flow, higher rent payments because because their deposit portion is in there, you get more cash flow on a monthly. And then of course, there's a built-in return with an end value. Uh, did I miss anything? No, you know what? You kind of you covered it really well. It's Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Just the security, like you mentioned, yeah. of the of the person that's in, in your property, the security, helping a family, helping an individual yeah. become a homeowner. Uh, I just read a global uh, global news article. I think it's over 63% of people don't think that they can own their home anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's gotten out of reach or, or it's impossible to do that. So I love being able to offer this opportunity to help more people to get into homeownership. Okay. And I, I have many follow-up questions about what's changed you know, with, with the market and the way things have gone and how that's that's affected things. Um, so we've, we've kind of recapped the concept. Of course, from a tenant's perspective, uh, the most common thing would be what bruised credit people with, with credit that won't quite work with the bank, but otherwise they'd be a good applicant if the credit portion was there. They have the income. Um, the story makes sense. It's just a matter of you know, maybe they had an incident with the family or what have you. Is that, is that sort of a good take on that or is there more to it? Yeah, absolutely. Credit's definitely, you know, in the top three, you know, it's always interchanging depending on the situation of the client, but credit, income, and down payment, those are, you know, the magic trifecta for any financing. And it's no different for our tenant buyers and our clients that mm. to get into home ownership. So you mentioned credit that they've had bruised credit or, you know, they've had to extend lines because of, you know, just life circumstances, yeah. right? Illnesses, deaths, divorce, separation, those types of yeah. things where they've, they've had to go into debt, but um, income yeah. and uh, down payment amounts, Definitely on the increase in purchase prices, we've seen down payments uh, being an issue as well too, because as purchase yeah. prices go up, the percent of down payment is, is going up with it. Now, would you say that, so you said business has grown. So recently, since the first lockdown, business has grown. Is that, that a fair statement? Absolutely. Yeah. So, we've seen more and more people that want to get into it. Yeah. More and more. Okay. So the the interesting thing to me is like, where are they getting the money to afford this? Because now, you know, two and a half years ago, the average price point in Canada was probably what, two, $300,000 lower across the country. So what, you know, how are people making up for that difference? That's what I'm curious about. Are they getting more money from friends and family? Uh, Well, I guess they can't get it from friends, but you know, from family members for, for kind of their, their down payment or deposit, or is there, are there, you know, two people or two families going in on one house? Like, tell me the story what's happening. Yeah. You kind of hit the nail right on the head. The bank of mom and dad, you know, have been been stepping up, helping with, with deposits, people that need that, uh, that down payment to get into home ownership. Um, yeah, and as we've seen, like there's been, uh, you know, a shift in where where people are working, right? Working from home, uh, not having to commute. So those areas that people are buying are, you know, a little bit further out from the core of the main areas. So um, yeah, like again, we've seen it increase just because 
um, you know, there's people that have gotten new jobs or new opportunities. It seems to be like the, the people that are liking their jobs are staying there longer. There's been mm-hmm. a shift for, for people are, are, you know, more valuable. It's tough to find good help and good work. Um, but I think that the biggest thing that we've seen is that obviously it's like front page news on, on every news station. It's part of the, you know, the election campaign, part of now, uh, the politics of, of home ownership. And people are realizing that it's probably one of the biggest investments that they'll make in their life that if they don't get onto this, ship or they don't get on, on board now, they might not ever be. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I keep quoting that, that global news article, but people are thinking it's impossible. And I do yeah. think this is going to be the new way of buying a home where it is tough to save and you know you can't keep up with appreciating markets. So having that play yeah. or that program where it takes two, three, four years to get into that home, um, it is beneficial. So we are seeing more people that need assistance come to, to, to our program. You know, it's interesting. This model actually almost makes more sense in the high inflationary environment we're in because I don't know what you're building in as your appreciation, but back in the day, it used to be aggressive to do 5% because you couldn't know if the market would do that. But you know, lately, the market's done like 20 to 30. So um, is that still the standard sort of in that 5% ballpark or has that gone up? Yeah, no, we've continued to stick with that. And, you know, again, it is working it out for what the client can afford as well. Too. Mm-hmm. That's, we could use any appreciation. We could use what the market does and say 20 to 30%. But again, yeah. if we're not setting our client up for yeah, success, for success and, yeah. we're, and we're in reverse yeah. engineering that. But again, yeah, we're, we're yeah. in that four to 6% appreciation yeah. you know, in, in that area to make sure that, you know, there is that consistent growth, right? And who knows if that'll continue, right? I mean, obviously, we, we can't predict the market. We could have uh, a correction. I and mean, we think we're kind of in the midst of, of a minor correction right now. And who knows how far that goes down. But uh, over the course of the next few years, will it come back? My feeling is most likely, but it also depends on what politicians will do. Um, so, so it's, uh, but I mean, I think like if you, if you consider our last two years, somebody who's, who's thinking about getting into a rent to own, they're like, I could save for three years while property values go up 20 to 30% a year, or I could lock something in now at, you know, a 15% increase in three years time, which means I'll have a ton of built-in equity. Plus I'll have a saved up deposit, uh, makes a ton of sense from the uh, tenant standpoint. Now, from the investor standpoint, you're still getting great returns. Like what, what ballpark of returns are investors getting? Yeah, typically our joint venture partners, they're, they're enjoying, you know, uh, returns of somewhere, you know, 16, 17 or more percent annual return mm-hmm. on their, on their investment, right? So the returns mm-hmm. of, you know, again, another reason why, you know, uh, rent to own uh, from an investment standpoint is that return more secure client. The returns are still there. Um, and again, it's all about, it's, it's not about the timing of the market. You have something that is, I don't want to say guaranteed. Nothing in life is guaranteed. However, mm-hmm. it is it is projected that you can right. you know you you can can pretty much bank on that or, or sleep comfortably at night knowing that those returns mm-hmm. are coming in, you're getting your payments on time, you're not having to retain yeah. properties. That's security, and the return is still really mm-hmm. good. Uh, again, like that's I, I think maybe one of the knocks that people talk about rent only is you're leaving money on the table, and as we've seen over the last two two and a half years, that yes, 20, 20, yeah. 30 percent increase. But we know that's not a regular occurrence. That's not going right. to happen every year. If you're banking on 20% annual return or sorry, annual uh, increase, you're, you're not doing it right. You know, you know being conservative yeah. and having those, right? So, and there is a social component as well, too, for, for our investors that we are helping other families get into home ownership as mm-hmm. well, too. Obviously, you know, we're a business. We need to make money. Investors want to return on their investment. No one does this to lose money. But the mm-hmm. social component of helping people to get into home ownership, that's yeah. something that you, you can't quantify either. That makes you feel good as well. Okay. And would you mind giving me like a, a general idea of like who your typical investor would be? Like, how, you know, what's like the profile of your typical investor that, that joint ventures with you guys? 
Yeah, it's just individuals, individuals, families that, that want a better return on their investment. They're working their their full time jobs. They don't want to, you know, they're they're busy with families and their work. They, they don't want to manage, you know, toilets, tenants, properties, all that kind of stuff. Where it's pretty mm-hmm. much hands off investment. So we've had you know young investors that are just new to investing that you know want to just cut their teeth and learn a little bit more about you know how to buy rental properties. We've had veteran. Uh, investors that know that means 16, 17, 18% is a great return on mm-hmm. an annual, on an annual basis, uh, especially when there's very little or no management from the standpoint of the investor. Yeah. So the typical investor, yeah. And again, like I mentioned that social component that they do want to help. There is, um, uh, yeah, there is a willingness to help that family. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's all different types of investors that are hands off, uh, maybe are, are working their own portfolio and looking at maybe more active in, in their, in their investments, but want, uh, you know, solid return without, without much effort. Yeah, for a passive return, I mean, how much more can people expect? You know, but yeah. there there are a few a few things that are obviously included in this. Though they got to be able to qualify for a mortgage, and then they would have to have the down payment. So that's basically that. Now, do they get the cash flow throughout, or you guys split the cash flow? Yep, absolutely. Throughout the program, the, the investor is getting the, the cash flow uh, throughout the program. Obviously, at the end of the sale, uh, when we're selling back to the tenant buyer, they they uh, we sell back the. The home to the tenant buyer, they're getting half of that, or you know, the, the increase as well too. Mm-hmm. And there's that little bit of pay down throughout the three years as well too. Right. Okay. So they get everything they invested back plus half of whatever the upside is that you guys have pre-calculated. So the deal is sort of pre-calculated. And yeah. the only way that doesn't come to fruition is if the market for some reason won't support the value you have at the end, or if the tenant yeah. buyer can't buy if something happens. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And in some cases, we've had to extend programs from a third year to a fourth year uh, because the tenant buyer needs a little bit more time to whether it's clean up credit or you know claim claim income that they haven't cleaned properly uh, for the down payment. We're, we're that's part of what the client is saving up for the program. So that's mm-hmm. always that box is always going to be checked as long as they're making their payments yeah. on time and, and that portion of, of the rent yeah. goes towards the down payment. Okay. So from a tenant standpoint, I know I'm grilling you with questions now, <laughs> but uh, from a tenant standpoint, who will you take and who won't you take? Like, I mean, obviously you want to help, but there's some people who have expressed, you know, shown delinquent behavior that it's just not going to be a good fit, right? It's not going to be a good fit to put your investors with them. Uh, obviously bruise credit. Like you said, people get divorced. They have, you know, somebody gets sick in their family. There's an incident that happens that explains a, you know, a, a blip in bad credit. Those are obviously, and that was my understanding, like kind of the, the, the best you know, type of, of tenant for this. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned income being, a, a, you know, an instance, a scenario where the bank might not like it because they can't prove two years of income, but these people might have really good income. Do you have that type of a scenario as well? Absolutely. As we see, you know, two, two, uh, two categories that we're seeing a huge increase of, of applicants and people that we're working with are newcomers uh, to the country where they've come here for work or for opportunity. They have some down payment. They're new at their, at their role or at their job. So they need that time to establish their, their credit mm-hmm. uh, and, and young professionals as well, too, that are coming out of school that again, that are looking to establish longer employment history. Right. Um, so, and, and again, with the, when it comes down to the income, it, it's always been my favorite, you know, self-employed, uh, yeah. self-employed individuals that are small business owners or, or, or you know, or, they get to determine or yeah. they get to choose, I should say, what they make. And if they're not claiming their true income, um, yeah. you know, it gives them time to claim the correct yeah. amount so that they can't, yeah, so they can't claim Right. Yeah. yeah. So you could take a, a less rigid approach and say, let's take a look at what you actually are earning and see if it makes sense. And so That's if right. you were to, if you were to properly claim it all, you know, where, what would, what would it look like? That makes a lot of That's sense. Right. Do you ever take like people with, uh, you know, who are applying for to get residency and maybe they have a current nine sin, like the temporary sin number, but they're, they're applying to get a proper one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Temporary, um, 
uh, temporary or sorry, uh, non-permanent residents that are coming here that are looking to get full-time uh, residency and, and that are looking to, to stay in the country and work in the country. That, that's been, again, that, that's been a, a growing part of, of the applicants that we've seen with newcomers mm-hmm. that are coming here for, for all different reasons, whether it's work, yeah. it's family, um, and, and that want to establish roots and, and build a build a home in Canada and in Ontario. Cool. Is there anything I've missed? Because I've I've just been throwing out everything that was crossing my mind. Uh, in no, terms of, no, it's great. Yeah. With with your background in, in rental and specifically, and obviously your investing background, yeah, you, you understand it. But it, it, again, in, in in the tougher market, like obviously we saw, you know, the beginning of this year, there was such a you know um, a low inventory amount, right? So we've been getting into multiple offer situations and mm-hmm. being able to be still competitive uh, and getting our clients' homes. Uh, however, yeah, we've seen tenants that have you know that have really want to own their home that have taken that time to to go through the process, maybe hear no four or five, six times and continue to go through that offer process. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think it's just, like I said, it, this is going to be uh, a new way, if not the new way to, to get into home ownership from, from a primary residence standpoint where the banks are going to have their criteria, the lenders are going to have their criteria and not everybody fits into that criteria. So it's yeah. taking that time, locking in that purchase price and educating, right, of what, you know, what to do so that you can qualify and, and we're there to assist them. Yeah, so you must have like a, a really well built out program to educate the tenant buyers uh, how this all works, right? Because to them, it's not going to be intuitive. They're not going to totally get it, right? Absolutely, yeah. We have a, we brought our credit team in house. Uh, we're checking uh, we're checking up with our clients throughout throughout the term at least three times per year. They have access to our team uh, so that we can look at you know first of all the credit portfolio, make sure that they are saving the right amount, uh, as well as uh, claiming the income properly, putting those pieces mm-hmm. together so that they are successful at the end. And that's a responsible. Yeah, that that's super critical. Super yeah. critical because as much as as much as you'd like to think these people will just fix things, uh, life gets busy, right? And things get things get out of out of control, and they don't they don't necessarily follow up on it. So you guys following up on it, you probably have saved a lot of deals that wouldn't have gone through otherwise. Yeah, I, I say this all the time: if they could have done it on their own, they would have done it already, and and that's that's why we're there to help and to guide them and keep them accountable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that this is you know essentially the carrot is that yeah. home that home ownership. Um, of, of following through with the program. So whether it is income, whether it is down payment, whether it is uh, credit, they, they have the tools, they have the knowledge, they, they have us at their disposal so that they can reach out and say, okay, this is the plan for the next two, three, four years so that we can get them on the right track and, and, and get them into the right qualifying as well too. Cause you know, whether it's the bank lending or, or B lenders is getting them that qualification. And as interest rates and, and qualification rules, as they change, increase and become tougher, it's going to get harder to, to, to navigate those waters for buyers. And, you know, you walk into a bank, you know, not to put down the banks, but they're not going to give you that assistance. They're going to mm-hmm. check a couple boxes. And if it's no, then you're walking out of there, maybe with a pen, maybe without. But you're not going to get the assistance that you need from, yeah. from the bank. And, and, and mortgage brokers is a great source um, of our of our tenant buyers that they can't fit them into that criteria. Mm-hmm. They want to help them. But if they're not able to close that deal today, you know, what effort or, or, or time do they have to spend with that client, you know, over over a period of time? And, yeah. and if they're not closing on that business today, so we're a good bridge for those professionals yeah. as well so that they can get them into a deal right away. Is that a big, big like what percentage of your business would you say is referral from brokers? Oh yeah. From, from brokers and realtors, I'd probably say like, in, in, you know, in the 40, 50% range of yeah. half that business because they have clients, they know mm-hmm. what they're looking at, but they can't get them. And the good mortgage brokers aren't going to put them into, you know, deals that are high interest or, you know, putting them in a worse situation or private money that it's, it's not a long-term mm-hmm. solution. The, the, you know, some, some cases we've had to help clients that are in that scenario or they've had private lenders and they're paying eight, nine, 10% and they have a year to fix whatever their issue is. And 
a year's not long enough to you know improve credit or save up the balance of the down payment. So those private lenders are you know, taking that home back, and these clients are left in a situation that they're worse off than they started the when that started that scenario. Mm-hmm. And, and the rent to own program is setting them up so that they can right. get into conventional financing. You know what's interesting? Like I just love entrepreneurship, and maybe maybe we've had this conversation before, but. Um, how long has the business been established so far? Uh, it's going to be eight years that we yeah. uh, that we incorporated, and you know, two about a year and a half or so before that, we're, we're, yeah. we're kind of working. I mean, yeah, yeah. And you were you working like full time and doing this on the side? And like, at what point did you say, okay, I'm I'm full time on this? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like it was probably about a year I, at the time where, where I was working. I was I was itching to, to kind of leave full time work, and I had the invested bug. And and uh, you know, luckily at the time I, I was able to, to leave work, and uh, my business partner was still working full time, and, and I was able to grow that business. I probably left work a little bit earlier than maybe I should have, but it kind of gave me the kick in the butt, the encouragement to go out there and hustle and find find more find more business. But um, but yeah, it's almost eight years now that we've been incorporated, and you know, yeah. two hundred some odd projects, two hundred. 30, 225 projects yeah. afterwards. It's, it's, it's been a blessing really in terms of, yeah, like you said, loving the entrepreneurship, the, the idea of, you know, creating, solving yeah. problems. For well, people, right? And somebody willing to go out there and say, I got an idea and I believe in it. I'm, I'm going to just, you know, screw my job. Like I'm going, um, yeah. you know, that's, that's something I've always, you know, had, had the bug to do. And I never really knew, you know, what's the right type of entrepreneurship. And like, as, as far back as I can remember, never wanted to work a job. I always wanted to, to run my own gig. And, 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 you know, so that's, that's just so cool about what you guys have done now. Um, in terms of the business now, like how many projects do you have active right now? Like somewhere in the term of the rent to own? Yeah, probably about, uh, we're just over a hundred active projects right now that are currently in, in process that, you know, that we're bringing on more and more and, and exiting out as well too. So yeah. It's always hovering around that 100, yeah. 120 or so that are active and bring on some and close yeah. out some. And I'm assuming you guys have like a broker that you work with on the back end that that knows how to get the banks to love the down payment confirmation because it's not conventional, right? Like you're saying, hey, here's a piece of paper showing that they've been giving me money for three or four years. I know I've talked to lenders that resist on that. They they didn't like that. But of course, there are some out there that recognize this and and understand it. Yes, absolutely. And, and we've seen that in many cases where our clients have either just walked into the bank and said, Hey, I've been in a rent home for the last three years. Can you help me qualify? And they get looked at like they have, you know, three heads or, mm-hmm. or, or uh, you know, they get turned down from the bank rather quickly. But yeah, our, our, our team, our, our mortgage brokers that we work with obviously know the lenders, know how to set this up properly to present this to the lenders. They're purchasing a home at the end of the day, right? We're crediting them for the, mm-hmm. the, the amount that they've saved and that they've earned throughout the program, mm-hmm. right? That they've given that initial deposit. They've saved that additional. On a monthly basis, so um, yeah, our, our mortgage team works hard, um, you know, to make sure that first of all, supporting them throughout the program to get them ready, but then presenting them to the right lenders that that are good with uh, the, the rental home program and, and and getting them qualified so that they can be home ownership and get in, into the conventional financing. Cool. Okay, so we've done a good recap on on rent to own, which is good because I haven't talked about rent to own on here since you were on last. So. All right. <laughs> yeah. It's, so nothing's really changed. It's, it's, you know, I think maybe the benefit uh, of getting into one has probably changed in terms of people see what's happening in the market and they know how out of control the prices are right now. So it's, it's an interesting way to lock something in before it gets too, too much further down uh, the road. Well, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. When we were talking to two and a half, some odd years ago, um, and even earlier than that, when we first started this, this, this program, uh, it took a, a lot more to explain or people were much more resistant, mm-hmm. but now as there is, it is tougher and tougher to crack the market and get into home ownership. More people are open to unconventional ways of financing. So that they oh, yeah. can, right? and we've had several that 
several people that are like, hey, can I buy a duplex? And can I, you know, maybe rent out part of that? And we love that because now it's even being creative even beyond that where um, you can supplement income or looking at, you know, house hacking was you know, something that was unheard of a few years ago. Now it's becoming yeah. more common. Supplementing income, yeah. multiple people living together. As interest rates continue to climb, yeah. it is going to get tougher and tougher. So yeah, it's a lot more people are open to the idea than, than they were before. That's right, sure. yeah. Okay, very cool. So transitioning into, I remember, and this is, I mean, maybe I'm remembering wrong, but I think you have vacation rentals in Port Stanley. Yeah, there's some beach cottages out there as well that uh, that I'm a part of a yeah. group. Uh, yeah, there's yeah. some cottages out there in the short-term okay. rentals for sure. You jogged my memory. We were just talking. I'm connecting things in my mind here. So, uh, so vacation rentals, that's part of what you were doing back then. Uh, it's the nice thing because you know you are the entrepreneur here. You're doing something very entrepreneurial that's real estate related and then also the investor too. Uh, tell me a bit more about you as the investor. Yeah, as the investor, yeah, I continued to you know, uh, build up my portfolio with long-term holds, you know, duplexes. I did the first... Uh, the first duplex conversion and, you know, I had some great people helping me kind of going through, you know, the, the drawings and how to, how to split all that up and do that properly. Um, that, that was really cool. And those, it's interesting that, you know, it's not, it's not as involved as a, as a rent to own. It's just kind of like, Hey, collect the rent each month, make sure that, you know, things are done properly. But, uh, yeah, up to about now, like it's nine, nine or 10 doors. Yeah. 10 doors that, that, that are currently renting there and looking at that, looking at other opportunities as well too. Um, in the U.S., I know you're you're in Florida. I think it was Cape Coral yeah. that uh, they use your property. I was just out in Orlando a couple of weeks ago. Um, have some you know some good friends and colleagues out there that you know that are close by Disney. So the Airbnb rentals mm-hmm. in Disney was something that you know entertaining that idea. Costa Rica outside and just looking at all different opportunities. They're, they're, it's like buses, right? And there's all kinds of opportunities that are coming by. But what to sink your teeth into? Um, Again, I'm biased. I, I invest in, in our own projects as well. And right. I look at our, our rent-to-owns as well. But yeah, looking at the longer term of, of what to do, of, of those longer term holds or duplexes, where again, yeah. where housing and, and the supply is is short. So there's people always going to, there's always going to be a need for people to live somewhere, whether that's right. owning or renting. So doing that in different ways that make the most sense and being kind of hands-off from the JAG property side, yeah. being involved and you know being part of those projects are great. But you kind of see it all from you know hands off standpoint. Looking yeah. to do a little bit more passive investing and finding other people to to do the heavy lifting. <laughs> oh yeah, man, it's it's nice to find others to do the heavy lifting. But I mean, I think I think you know you've already got this mindset where you build the team, right? So you might be very hands on at first, and then you just keep building out your team so that you're less and less hands on. Create yeah. systems, and then obviously teams, which you've got lots of experience at. So that's good. But are you still doing? I mean, are these ten units all duplexes? Uh, so duplex and tri, yeah, duplexes and triplexes mostly. Hamilton area, um, yeah, all in around the Hamilton area. One in Cambridge as well that we have partners yeah. on, but all, all in the Hamilton area. Uh, yeah, we've seen obviously the rents continue to climb, yeah, and, and the demand, right? Like even uh, I had one vacancy wasn't too long ago, and it was just it was unbelievable the amount of applications. Um, that came in just for a rental mm-hmm. property where I thought, hey, hopefully I can, that I put it too low. <laughs> Maybe mm-hmm. that's why I got all, all these applicants, right? And again, just yeah. the, the demand, there, there's no quick solution to, to this issue. And yes, interest rates going up and inflation and all that. However, there is just, there's, there's this lack of supply where yeah. people need to live. That's, that's the interesting part, right? Like so many people will say, well, we're expecting property values to go down. And I don't disagree, but the supply issue isn't going anywhere unless, Less people want to immigrate here because we still have the four thousand hundred or four hundred thousand people coming to the country and two hundred thousand new housing uh, starts a year. So how do we make up that difference? How do property values go down? Yeah. And you know you continue immigrating those people. 
So I'm thinking out loud now, like what could happen? I guess some of those people could just go, you know, all move in together and you have like three families live under one roof. But otherwise it feels like it's, it's hard to see a reality where the property values stay down for a long time, unless so many of these people just go homeless. And again, just thinking out loud, I don't know if you have any comments on this, but you know, I, I try to envision what are the possibilities in which way uh, real estate values would go down and stay down. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, the only way that I see that is they remove all the red tape and, and everybody can become a developer or builder. And I don't think that's going to happen anytime mm-hmm. soon. If anything, there, you know, we talk about the, the, the different government programs, but again, I'm of the thought. Again, government has great ideas. Implementing them is a different thing, and actually mm-hmm. making them come to fruition, um, you know, doesn't necessarily correlate with what the ideas that they have. Um, but yeah, I think. Like you said, you know, multiple families living together. I know when my grandfather immigrated to Canada in the 60s, multiple families were living together, right? So that they could get established. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, there wasn't a lack of supply at that point there. It was really, you know, the, the people yeah. were living together because they were just starting to get onto their feet. There are people mm-hmm. that are immigrating here that are coming here, um, that have, you know, good, good financial wherewithal, wherewithal mm-hmm. and that they, they just don't have anywhere to go. So living together, but I, I don't really see how. You know, there's going to be a steep cliff where all of a sudden the property values go in half. And the other part of it is, you know, educating investors, you know, that listen to your show or that we know those property mm-hmm. prices go down. Someone's going to snap, grab those all up. Right. right? If it, if there's a sale. Yep. And right. Then investors. And I think obviously the number has increased. The latest numbers were something like 20 or 25% of properties were, were purchased by, by investors, right? It's not their mm-hmm. primary home. So there has to be a balance where. Yeah, like again, people, it's, it's, it's a great asset class. People want to own that. So if you're not buying it from a standpoint of your primary residence, then investors mm-hmm. will buy it. So there's always going to be, you know, yeah. a pretty good level of demand. Well, yeah. And then you've got people, um, who aren't affected by the, the interest rate hikes. Like, well, I mean, I know there's a foreign buyer's tax, but we have new immigrants that are coming here with just tens of millions of dollars who can buy cash and it's not a problem. I mean, back in my brokering days, I used to have conversations with people like, well, we don't really need the mortgage. We could just buy a cash. But if you give us a really great deal, <laughs> yeah, know, we want 2.2 yeah. 2 instead of 2.3. And uh, so that is a thing too. But, uh, you know, and I don't think that like, we can always talk about it. And I always th- I think that's helpful. You, you, you work your way through the possibilities and the possible outcomes and that helps you make decisions going forward. Do I like investing in Canada right now? Not not really, because I, I, because the cash flow numbers just aren't as appealing as they, they once were. But so that's why I know you're talking about looking at other markets and, you know, same thing for me. I, I always say this a lot, you know, water goes to the lowest point. So if I can find a community where the housing prices make a lot more sense, why not invest there? Why not put my money there? Because other people are going to notice that that, that market makes a lot more sense too. They're going to see, well, Hey, my dollar goes further there. Like, so whether that's New Brunswick or, you know, Calgary or, or, or Edmonton, I guess it'd be a better example or, you know, somewhere in Florida or somewhere else in the U.S. I think that, you know, that that's just a logical process of, of, you know, logical reasoning. You know, you're figuring out a place to put your money to work the best way. Well, and that's a great example out east in eastern Canada, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, Pennsylvania Island. Um, yeah, we, we've, we've made some good partnerships out there where we have, you know, boots on the ground or essentially a property manager out there that we're working with and are, are you know, seriously looking at and taking more applications mm-hmm. from, from eastern Canada where, yeah, again, they've increased their purchase prices as well, but their relative terms yeah, to relative. Yeah. Relatively, it's, it's no, mm-hmm. it still makes sense. And there seems to be yeah. like a mass exodus outside of Ontario. And I think it's probably like one of the most desirable areas. I don't know, in the Western world where, you know, where we are in the GTA and, and surrounding mm-hmm. areas that again, it's, it's the economic hub of Canada, you know, Toronto mainly, and everybody wants to be within that point. Like, again, when you look at condos in New York, you know, a condo in Toronto is still relatively inexpensive, right? So 
you know, it's a global city and, and everywhere around yeah. it's continuing to go up. So you have to go where, where there is opportunity. Um, and, and it does make sense. So yeah, it, it wouldn't, wouldn't be wise to look at other opportunities. Again, we, we've established, you know, the, the market here, we have you know great partners and, and it still works in this area. Like, mm-hmm. you know, has the, 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 the criteria for the clients changed a little bit for sure. Yeah, um, but that's changed for everyone, right? As interest rates go up, as purchase prices go sure. up, um, and qualifications, and and I just think as a matter uh, of time that you know I- incomes will will rise. We'll never go at the same rate, but but incomes yeah. will have to go up as well too. So. They will. Yeah, we're going to see so much change. I I keep going back to this, and I just don't think there's a, a great precedent for this time for you know knowing the circumstances that created the inflation situation. And, uh, and then of course the immigration component of it and the just complete lack of supply, right? Like there's been other crashes, um, not saying this is a crash, but there's been crashes in the past where, you know, they didn't necessarily have the supply issue, but we do. And, you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it all shakes out. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree. If you, you can still find deals here, you can still find things that work here. And of course, for your rent to own program, I mean, people need to live here. If this is, this is where their location is, then that's where it is. I, I was more saying as an investor, I think it makes a ton of sense. Hey, it doesn't have to be in my backyard. I'm good with, I'm good with, as long as I have the time to set up, like you said, boots on the ground in another market, it makes a ton of sense. Absolutely. Cool. Well, so what's your strategy now then as an investor? Obviously, you've got the stuff in the Hamilton area. What what is what are you excited about as an investor? Uh, you did mention Orlando, but you know, is there anything you're looking at that you've crunched some numbers on recently? Yeah, like again, that, that's the one the most recent that I was looking at. Uh, to be honest, I'm looking at a personal property right now. So with a little guy, uh, mm-hmm. we're looking to expand, we're looking to grow. Uh, I'm still trying to rack my head around that I'm going to have to pay all of the payment on on a mortgage, right? But uh, <laughs> yeah. but. Uh, uh, but again, that's that's actually that that is going to be the next purchase that that I make. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a personal home that I can call a family home that you know will be you know uh, a place to you know for for my family to grow and and continue to build. That that's that's what I'm looking at personally today. Um, but uh, but always looking at opportunities, whether that's you know Airbnbs, whether that's yeah. uh, you know more more duplexes and triplexes and, and kind of consolidating that in the Hamilton area. Um, sure. But that's the, that's what excites me is, okay. is, is again finding finding that personal home, but expanding yeah. expanding out you know maybe another duplex or triplex as we continue okay. to grow. So if you were to look for a triplex, or are you uh, do you have anything on your radar right now, or a duplex in in the local area? Well, not, nothing specific, but again with. I think just a matter of, you know, in Hamilton, mm. East Hamilton specifically, where there, you know, there has to be, there's just so many single family homes that fit perfect for a duplex conversion where, mm-hmm. again, we're talking about a lack of supply where one home becomes two that, yeah. you know, that could simply be done in terms of, you know, yeah. convert, converting that and, and building those neighborhoods, right? So a lot of the ones in, in East Hamilton are more like those story and a half. There's a lot, a lot of smaller footprint, no driveway. Um, if I'm thinking of the same area of East Hamilton that you are, or are you thinking further, like more like Stony Creek? Uh, yeah, kind of right, right on that border as, as you kind of continue down yeah, towards Stony Creek. And, and again, like there are, there are some areas, you know, and I think, you know, obviously parking is an issue, right? With those mm-hmm. ones that without driveway, where do we go? I think as that LRT comes through Hamilton, that's mm-hmm. going to be less of an issue. I think less people will have a vehicle or families that have multiple. They're, yeah. They're going, to be going back where maybe households are just going to have one vehicle, right? If, yeah. If, if that, right? As, as transit continues to improve. Hamilton is, I think, far behind in terms of that, but now they have mm-hmm. the, the LRT. We, we know it won't be built on time. It will be delayed. Yeah. That's, that's just an eventuality. But I think, Again, um, just the proximity from Hamilton to Toronto as a global city, people that are going to commute from Hamilton to Toronto to go there, I think it's still, still a great bet. 
Oh yeah. It's still a bedroom. I mean, Hamilton's just, you know, it's, it's just gone to a price point, which I mean, the rest of the GTA has too, right. It's all just gone up together. So, uh, definitely still serves as a bedroom to, uh, to Toronto and still has its, you know, its own thing going on too. Have the, has the, has the municipal government changed at all in terms of their requirements? Cause I think before it was like a 700 square foot minimum for a basement apartment. Is that still the, the minimum or minor variance is getting through where people can squeak uh, it under that? You know what? I'm not sure. I wouldn't. Yeah. I would just be. I would just be guessing as well yeah. too. Uh, on the duplexes that we've done, they're well over the seven. Yeah, they're well over it. So you're looking at stuff that's yeah. bigger than that, right? Yeah, for okay. sure. And then you can pull higher rents. Like there's, you know, mostly yeah. like two bedrooms in the basement yeah. units. There's a, that uh, that you can do. So you're going to put pull some higher rents to to make sure that you can take care of yeah. that mortgage payment or the you know the principal interest payments on, on those higher purchase prices, right? So say you get one of those, like the classic thousand square foot, 1100 square foot bungalow, Hamilton bungalow. Um, what would you have to pay right now? Or what would you be comfortable kind of paying for that kind of a product right yeah, now? Yeah, again, yeah, I'm guessing, uh, you know, and this is probably looking in the range, probably at least eight, 800,000, 800. I, I would think, right? Uh, yeah, 750 to, you know, to nine is probably in that range, depending on that. Yeah. And I know this is only, you know, this is right at the beginning of the pandemic when we finished that last duplex hmm. and it was about a hundred or so of, of rentals to, to get it. Yeah. Converted. So again, just with everything increasing, right. I'm assuming that maybe not doubled, but you're looking maybe at 150,000 to, yeah. to convert that, um, to get that. Now, I think the city of Hamilton is going to be a little bit more, um, inspired, let's say to, to, pack, hmm. to get permits through and, and to create that housing. But again, it's anybody's guess in terms of how quickly, right? Yeah. So say you're in for, for 950, what do you figure you're going to be, you would rent that? Cause you have some pretty recent experience of what your stuff's renting for. So, uh, an up and a down together, what, what, what kind of rents would you pull now? Yeah, I would say North of two, I'm probably going to guess in the range. Like I know in the triplex, we have our two upper units that are at 2,200 and those are mm-hmm. rented in the last year. So those might've slightly come up just a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. from a year ago. So I'm going to guess at the 23, for an upper unit. I feel like you'd be even more than that for an upper yeah. unit. Well, yeah. Yeah. This is, yeah. Well, this I'm I'm, I'm quoting uh yeah I'm quoting like a triplex right where it's okay like, yeah like but yeah yeah I'm I'm being conservative I always like to use conservative yeah yeah okay so so if you're twenty five hundred yeah. maybe let's say argue we can adjust that but twenty five hundred in the upper and then maybe what like eighteen hundred to two thousand on the lower yeah I would say two is kind of like that over under for for the lower unit these days as well so yeah okay so two thousand yeah I've I've been hearing that too so so you're forty five hundred and then would the tenant be paying utilities split sixty forty in that arrangement yeah absolutely tenants are yeah in, in yeah. Uh, yeah, paying the utilities. Okay, so in that type of thing, like, what would a typical tax bill on that type of house be? Like a five grand a year kind of thing? Yeah, that's probably a good range. Yeah, just yeah, around five. And insurance on something like that be two grand. Yeah, maybe about I don't know, a buck and a quarter a month or so on that range. That or even yeah, maybe you're. So that'd be about 1500. Yeah. It, insurance is such a variable because there's so many different ways you can cover things and everybody does it sort of their own comfort, but okay. So I'm just going to copy our numbers here. I figure we should, it's been a while since I've really run numbers on deals. I don't want to get out of the habit of that too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. the spreadsheet still work, right? Just the numbers change. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So maintenance, I got, I got a 5% in there, just kind of a placeholder uh, utilities. So you wouldn't really have anything. Maybe it's maybe a zero. All right. And then management, would you self-manage or kind of have your team, your internal team manage? Yeah. For, especially in the Hamilton area, like I'm good with self-managing. I, I have you know, some, some good, good colleagues, good friends that, you know, take care of the cell removal and, and lawn care, those types of mm-hmm. things. Um, and so you yeah, don't have a fee yeah. or an expense for lawn care? Uh, yeah, I would include that, but you know, it's only for a few months of the year. Right. So, so what do you, guess, what do you figure like snow removal, lawn care all together, but what's your total I, expense? I would probably maybe put it five, five a month or something like that, just to kind of blend that throughout the year. 
like 500 for the year. Yeah. Oh, sorry. 500. Uh, yeah. For lawn care, for, for snow removal, if you're looking at the, yeah, the, the, yeah. the package together. Yeah. I was going to say 500 a month, you're paying the wrong landscaper. Right? <laughs> 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 Unless you got like a five acre duplex. Um, okay. So miscellaneous, I'll just throw 500 bucks in there just in case there's something. So you keep your, your expenses pretty tight on those. Um, yeah. And you would be in for about, in that case, 950. I mean, what's the finished duplex going for these days? I, I've heard people say 1.1 million. Yeah, I think there's been up on the Hamilton Mountain. I've seen north of a million. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, let's let's call it. Yeah, I could go with that. Call it a million, or sure. would you say even more? So you'd have a bit of money into it if it was at a million. You you know you'd be in for nine fifty, getting appraised at a million. So your net investment would be around a hundred grand, assuming you could. Um, actually, sorry, I have the wrong number in here. Are you, are you still getting eighty percent, or you'd be getting seventy five percent loan to value? Uh, at this point, yeah, probably 80, 80% of the value. Yeah. So you're still going institutional, like regular residential lenders. Yeah. Okay. And I guess now interest rates are up a bit, probably more like a three and a half percent if you were to do something. So, I mean, in that scenario, based on the expenses I ran, and this is a good exercise. So 4,500 grand, take off all the expenses we just went through and a million dollar value with a refi. So you're in for a hundred, making about 23 bucks a month. Um, now we have padded the numbers. We, we put a 5% maintenance in there, which you know, depending on the state of the property, you might not have. And I did put 500 miscellaneous and uh, what else we had? I had a 500 bucks in there for management, just for any expenses you might have. So there's a little bit of a pad in there, but again, still a break even it's, it's not losing money. And that's something that's going to go up in value. Rents are going to go up over time. You you'd expect, right? So still works. It's just not the sexy 500 to a thousand uh, cash flow that uh, people used to be used to. Yeah, and you know what? I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on you know, like if you, you know, the short-term rental side of things, right? Like mm-hmm. you know, again, there's a little bit more intense uh, management from that side of things, right? Yeah. Like turning over and, and prepping and, and repairs and all that kind of stuff. And 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 again, if you're looking in certain areas mm-hmm. of of the city, you know, how many nights yeah. of the month is it going to be vacant? Right, or, right, right. I keep well, hearing people are pleasantly surprised about this, especially if you're like near like a hospital or something. If you get workers that are coming into town that that need to be there for a month or something, like yeah. as far as I'm concerned, if I had the number that you had in Hamilton, I I would just throw one out there as an experiment. A shout out to uh, John. I just want to get his uh, get his last name here. I was speaking with him the other day. Uh, Airbnb analytics and kind of really crunched some numbers for me. And I opened my eyes about a few things. John, uh, John Bianchi, I'm probably saying that horribly wrong. I don't know if you've heard his name before. Okay. Yeah. He's got a YouTube channel and he goes through kind of air D- analytics and kind of how you can use air DNA. And, um, he was kind enough to, to take some time and go over what I'm doing in Cape Coral with me and kind of explain what I would be looking at there. So I thought that was super, uh, super helpful, but I mean, it's all an experiment as far as I'm concerned, right? Cause just because the analytics or the data that somebody else does, it, you know, is one way, doesn't mean you couldn't blow people away with better pictures, better, um, amenities and nicer, more comfortable looking place. Um, and, and do much better than the average. So um, that's always been my thought. That's always been my, my angle as an investor is to be better than average, like make, make my stuff stand out and, and then hopefully perform much better. And well, so far it's actually worked out. Yeah. And the thing is, if you're going out there and looking to buy a great deal, those don't exist. You have to go and make that. You have to go and build making that. The deal. To make, yeah. Making the deal work. And, and yeah. again, like in one of the units that, uh, or one of the properties that we have, like, yeah, we rent out the garage for 200 bucks a month, right? So yeah. finding other revenue generators that you can, 
um, that you can find in those properties, right? So, and again, you know, the multi-unit buildings as well too. Like again, looking to crack that as well. Mm-hmm. But again, I, you know, I have my comfort zone of if you're, if, you know, putting my, my money into to a rent-to-own property. Again, mm-hmm. that's always been my my forte, my comfort level. Where yeah, I have that comfort with that client. I know that it's going to be taken care of, and I can continue to turn that over and and right. reinvest that in other opportunities, right? So with with a with a bird, right, you have to you know, qualify for that higher yeah, yeah. Uh, for that higher amount at the end when you're selling a property. Right now, you have that income to go and uh, to, to go and reuse that or recycle that into another project as well. For sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I was going to ask you, do, you know, for you, do you care if it cash flows, right? Obviously you have your active business. Do you need your properties to be big cash flow winners or are you just looking for stuff that services itself? Well, uh, that's rule number one, right? It needs to at least cover itself in, in a little yeah. bit of cash flow in, in worst case scenarios. I'm not, I'm not going to buy it a negative cash flow. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to be servicing it. Mm-hmm. That's right. I'm not going to go into to my pocket to vote. I want it to at least cover itself or, or, or make mm-hmm. some cash flow. Um, however, that's, you know, it'd be different strategies mm-hmm. for different reasons, right? For, uh, right. for long-term holds that again, that are going to be holding on to yeah. 10, 20, 30 years. You know, I think that's the, the question, right? Ask, you know, any investor, uh, when they bought five years ago or 10 years ago, if they regret it, and, you know, I think as people have seen the 20 and 25 and 30% increases in mm-hmm. people that are expecting that, um, you know, that's not necessarily the case, but again, yeah. over, over the long term, you yeah. know, you're always going to be ahead. Yeah. And I've always felt the same. Don't, don't bank on the appreciation. Even with what we've seen, you, you don't know what's going to happen in the future, right? I mean, we can predict there's, there's lots of ways you can predict, but all it takes is one political decision to tank what you thought was a for sure thing. So, uh, because we can't control things outside of ourselves, sometimes, uh, we have to, we have to just admit what we don't know and, and, you know, structure ourselves accordingly. So I, I appreciate that you brought that up. Um, okay, Alfonso, we've covered a, a good deal of stuff. Probably uh, best that we wrap it up at that. So where would people reach you if they wanted to connect with you, follow you and your journey? Yeah, definitely get in touch with me at, uh, at our website, jagproperties.com, J-A-A-G properties.com. Or you can send email to uh, Alfonso at jagproperties.com. And yeah, happy to connect with all the different investors, whether you're on your journey, you're, you're a veteran, you're just starting out. Uh, yeah, I'd love to connect, hear the different stories and, and, and be in touch. And, and yeah, maybe there are good opportunities that I'm not thinking about and getting outside of my comfort zone in that box, but uh, love to connect and, and really appreciate the opportunity of being on here uh, today again, Andrew. And yeah, you do a great job, uh, you know, putting out so much value in education for, for the investors out there to take a look at it. And uh, yeah, we really, really appreciate you and what you do for everyone out there. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that and, and you do as well. So I mean, for, for anyone who does know you have the podcast uh you know could you share your podcast name and where people uh find it yeah absolutely i'm and i'm super uh you know this is actually going to be the first time i've announced this but there's the right club podcast that uh, we've been doing for years as well too yeah. along uh, with the with the right club and we are now starting a uh, rent to home podcast as well too so for for those looking to uh, to learn a little bit more about our strategy so yeah definitely uh, the right club podcast and uh, Jake Properties Right yeah. the Home podcast. Okay, okay, and these are just on any of the podcast platforms. Any, yeah, any of the podcast listeners that uh, okay. you have, all your favorite that are out there. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks, Alfonso. It's great catching up with you. It's been it's been a long time, so uh, it's good uh, good to see your face again and and have a conversation. Yeah, likewise, Andrew. Thanks so much. Okay, talk soon. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Please make sure to share this episode far and wide. Help it help more people. I really appreciate you tuning in. I'll see you on the next one. 